0: You ready to jump into part three of nothing new? Are we ready to roll? And so, how many love your Bibles? Who loves your Bibles? If you love it, um, I, I want you to, to join in with us. If you have the U app, you can join in and, and take these notes as well on U Version. Um, if you have your actual real Bible, come on, who are real Bible people? Like you got to have the real page. Like three of y'all, man, y'all are dying away. Okay, <laughs> I like a real Bible. I read with a real Bible as well. I follow an electronic plan, but I. I like the pages myself. And so we're going to be in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, and uh, this is where we're starting today. This is kind of a theme verse for this whole series. It's Ecclesiastes chapter 1. Solomon said this way, what has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done. And there is, everybody say those two words. There's nothing new. There's nothing new under the sun that everything that we deal with, that people for generations, thousands of years have been dealing with. With probably the same things we have been doing, it's just, it just looks a little different. We're, we have more technology now, but even though with technology we still do, how I many you know we, have, we are more connected than ever before and yet we're still lonely as ever before. And the same thing that people dealt with even in biblical times. And so we've been kind of extracting characters out of scripture and inviting them to come and kind of have a, have, um, a seat at the table and share with us their life experiences and, and really what they've learned from their life. And so we looked at Isaiah in week one and talked about uh, what do you do when life doesn't make sense? How do, you, how do you process through when life doesn't make sense? When a tragedy hits, what do you do? And Isaiah taught us that you just need to have an encounter with God. When life doesn't make sense, how many glad we can go to the God who knows everything? And uh, what, I, I don't have to have all the answers when I serve a God who does. And so we go to him, and then last week we looked at Elisha, and we looked at uh, his story and, and how he was just a normal, ordinary, mundane type of job, nine to five kind of guy, but God used him in such a mighty way. He, he ended up doing uh, the second amount of miracles next to Jesus in all of scripture. And we talked about what do you do when you feel insignificant? When you're just doing the mundane things over and over, school and work and job and kids and what does God have to do with all of that and what does he speak into that? And so we talked about giving your best wherever you are, wherever you're at, give your best. Today we're talking about addiction to approval. What do you do when uh, you really, really like people liking you? Now, let's just real quick, by a show of hands, how many of you like people liking you? Like you like you, What people think matters to you? Raise your hand. Everybody who did not raise their hand, it's because they want to know what you think about them, so they did not raise their hand. So can, Do I raise my hand? What are they going to think? Okay, so you you are addicted to approval as well. We are looking today at a man who is in the hall of faith. He was a Probably one of the, the biggest men as far as the amount of scripture that's about him in the Old Testament it's a guy by the name of Moses, probably next to Abraham. Uh, Moses has a number of books that he is in in the Old Testament, and he's done some phenomenal things in the Old Testament. But uh, Moses dealt with an addiction to approval, and I want to show it to you. And then, uh, and then we're going to dive into this. We're going to let God speak to us here. So let, let's go to Exodus chapter 18. Let me show you the passage here. And this is where we're going to start. The next day, Moses took his seat to hear the people's disputes against each other. They waited before him from morning till evening. And when Moses' father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, now imagine he's doing this for the people, he asked, what are you really accomplishing here? Why are you trying to do this? All what? Alone. All alone. Why are you trying to do this all alone? While everyone stands around you from morning till evening. And Moses replied, now Moses is going to give his reasoning of why he's doing this all by himself. He says, because the people, they come to me to get a ruling from God. Underline that or circle that. You're going to, you're going to need to come back to that. They come to me to get a ruling from God. They, when a dispute arises, they, they come to me and I am the one who settles the case between the quarreling parties. He goes on and he says, I inform the people of God's decrees and give them his instructions. Moses' father-in-law replies and says, This is not good. This is not good. So Moses' father-in-law exclaimed to him, Father, right now, God, we invite you into this moment to come and speak to us today. God, we thank you, Lord, for Your presence that's already in this room, as we have ushered you into here with our worship, we now invite you to speak to our hearts and our minds today with your word. God, illuminate it, reveal it to us, help us to apply it to our lives so we can see transformation in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. If you have been here for any duration of time, you probably know that your pastor has a a great desire and a great need for Dr. Pepper. I love Dr. Pepper. Do I have any other Dr. Pepper fans in the house? Oh, good. Okay, I have a church of addicts. Okay, good deal. <laughs> Glad to hear. It is, it is so bad that I can go to any restaurant for the most part with anybody that knows me well, and they will already order my drink if I'm not there before I get there. Uh, they know it. Uh, but I don't only have an addiction to Dr. Pepper, um, but I also have an addiction to chocolate. I love chocolate. I love candy. I just love any forms of candy. But right now, during the Lent season, it is the worst because every candy aisle is filled with every amount of candy that you can imagine. And I just want to go ahead, and because I am your pastor, I want to lead you into good green pastures and heavenly things that are great for your body. The Reese's Pieces Easter Eggs are to die for. Can I get a witness in this house? Have you ever had those? Listen, listen, if I go to Walmart and they're all gone, I'm, I'm blaming all of y'all, because I know y'all, y'all are going directly to there from here. Those are some of the best. Lindsay, during every Easter time, she comes and she brings home. And it's like, it's, it's like you know, it's like when you like open the box in the movies and the light shines down and you're, ah! it's like that in our house, you know? Lindsay's like, she'll unload everything and she's like, oh, and I got a surprise. And it's like, I'm like a kid. I'm like, what is it? What is it? And she pulls it out and it's like, ah, ah, ah. you know, it's like, it's like a heavenly descent. I'm like, oh my Lord, Jesus. I think this will be served at the Last Supper of, you know, and here we are and they are amazing and delicious. And it doesn't matter if it's right before dinner, you can still have one. It is, it's a great appetizer and a great dessert. Substitute salads. It's just good. And sprinkle it, actually. No, I'm joking. So (laughs) that's another. But I'm going to tell you another thing that I fiend, I absolutely love. So Lindsay and I were away this week in Baton Rouge for a speaking engagement that I had and so um, after it was over she's like what do you want to do and I'm like I don't know and she's like let's go to Target if anybody knows my wife she's like let's go to Target that's just like what what we do we let's go to Target uh, we're old I mean let's go to Target so we went to Target and of course we went down and if you go in Target there's an entire aisle for candy both sides both sides and and so you're just walking down a heavenly brick road just looking at all this stuff <laughs> And I'm thinking in the back of my mind, this is a lot of cavities. This is a lot of cavities. This is a lot of cavities. But then I saw it. It was there. It was looking at me like, you need to buy me. And it was not just M&Ms, peanut M&Ms. Come on. Regular M&Ms are naked, okay? You need peanut M&Ms. That's where the glory is. So I bought my peanut M&Ms, and she got she got her candy, and we went back to the hotel. And I was popping them like they were going out of style. <laughs> See, because your boy don't just eat candy in the kitchen. I got to bring it to the bedroom, and so <laughs> so I, I, I bring all I bring all of my addictions to the bedroom. So the so Dr Pepper is is right there beside it. It's a it's a good balance of Dr Pepper, Easter egg candy, and chocolate M&Ms. Uh, uh, and it's all, it's all good stuff. And in the middle of the night, you know, if you just got an unction, just a, you know, just a deep down, just like, man, I just need a, I don't grab for the water. I grab for the Dr. Pepper with an M&M. <laughs> just swish it like you're like taking something. And Lindsay will look at me, you know, oftentimes, like if it's late at night and I'm popping open a Dr. Pepper and she'll look at me and she'll be like, you have a problem. You have a problem, which I do. I do have a problem. Now, you might not be addicted to Reese's Pieces, and you might not be addicted to uh, peanut butter M&Ms, but I think all of us in here can probably agree that in some form or fashion, we are addicted to approval. We like people liking us. I mean, it is just something that is within us to want to be liked by those around us. And uh, I've struggled with this a lot in my own years, and I'll, I'll share more of this as we, as we dive into this, but, uh, we, we like to be liked and, and I know I've, I've seen it manifest in my life, especially even as a pastor, you know, um, you know, getting done with, uh, with, you know, preaching on a weekend, you know, getting home and, you know, asking my family, Hey, how'd y'all think church was, you know? And they'd be like, Oh, worship was amazing. And I'd be like, anything else, (laughs) you know, Oh, dream team were so awesome. They were so nice. Anything else? What did you think about the message? Was it good or anything? Yeah, Dad, it was good. Like, nobody's impressed in my home, by the way. It was good, Dad. It was, it was good. Like Life-changing, you know, like, I like some of those words. Like, mind-blowing, like, was it? It was good. And, and there's this thing that wants to kind of crave for that, look for that. But I'm going to tell you right now, really, at the end of the day, the applause of one is the only one that matters. And we got to work to get there. Now Moses, though, was a man who was leading over a million people. God's chosen people, the, the people of Israel. These were the people that God told him that he was to lead. And we catch up to him in this chapter that we just read of Moses is now meeting with all of these people. And all of these people are coming to him. Everybody's coming to him. He is the judge. He's... He's ruling and reigning and passing down judgment. And there's, when there's disputes between two people over, that was my cow, no, that was my cow, they would go to Moses and he would dispute what was going on. And then if there was issues, he would dispute what was going on. And, and from the outside, you and I would probably look at Moses and go, man, he is a leader. I mean, this guy is a leader. He is legit. I mean, he... Look what all he is doing. I mean, from morning to night, he is a hard worker. I mean, we would give him praise because, you know, our society praises busyness. We applaud people who are extremely busy. Man, you must be, you must have it all together. I mean, look how busy and how much you do. And his father-in-law steps onto the scene And takes a glance at what is going on with Moses and all these people that are around him from morning until evening. And he looks at this situation and he goes, Moses, what are you doing? And Moses, of course, then begins to give him what we just read, a whole detailed list of all the stuff that he's doing. You know, they're coming to me for disputes, and I'm, I'm, I'm resolving that. And then they come to me for rulings, and I resolve for that. And then they come to me to find out what God wants for their life, and I resolve that. And they're calling me for this, and they resolve that. And I'm counseling with this issue, and I'm counseling with this issue. And his father-in-law says, this is not good. Now, he's saying all those things because he thinks his father-in-law is going to be like, way to go, Moses. You're the man. But his father-in-law does not feed into his desire for approval, his father-in-law says, you shouldn't be doing this. This is not good. And I think if we were all honest in here, I think God would probably look at some of the things that we're doing and the motivations of why we're doing it, and he would say, that's not good. That, that's not good that you do that. See, from the outside... Moses looks like a phenomenal leader that he's helping people, but what you don't realize is those people are actually really feeding something in him. See, he needs them to need him. That's why he's not giving any other people the opportunity to do any rulings. He needs these one million plus people to need him. And so yes, he's helping them, but they're actually helping him, really not. They're actually hurting him because the addiction to approval is a lot like a paper cut. It doesn't bleed much, but it hurts like heck. And this is what this addiction to approval does is it's, you don't need people. Well, I take that back. You do need people because there's something inside of you that they're meeting a need here. It's why a girl goes from boy to boy to boy to boy to boy. It's because she needs someone to complete something inside of her that she is not finding in other streams. So I wanna answer this question. Here's the question that we're going to answer. When you are addicted to approval, remember that you can't please everyone. Do we have that? There we go, you can't please everyone, but you can please God. When you are addicted to approval, remember you can't please everyone, but you can please God. You can please God. See, Moses was anointed, He was called by God, and yet he still had approval issues. And I think if we could get real raw and honest, we struggle with it too. So I want to give you some signs today for you to be able to do your own uh, diagnosis and find out, do I struggle with an addiction to approval? So let me give you the first one here. You obsess with what others think about you. You obsess with what others think. How many of you in here... If you were made to have to come up here and do a public speech or share something on the stage, you would pee your pants. Okay, anybody in here? Okay, let's just be honest in here. Like, if we made you come up here and pray, or we made you come up here, hey, share your testimony, share your story, share, or, or God forbid, share a message, you would be like, nope, I'm not showing up that Sunday. Who, who's in here, right? Okay, all right. Can I tell you why public speech is such a fear for so many people? Because you care about what people think about you. <laughs> You care about, man, I want to make sure I say the right thing. What if I don't say the right thing? What if I do that? What? We have a fear of what people are saying, what people are thinking. Um, it's the same reason why you post something on social media, and then you wait three minutes, and then you go check it to see if anybody liked it. <laughs> Nobody liked it. What? And so you edit it. <laughs> okay, maybe they'll like this one. This one's be better. This one will be better. It's the reason why you take 17 selfies and only find one that's good enough. Come on, now I'm preaching to somebody. Okay, all right. And it's the reason why you get depressed when no one's liking and no one's commenting. And it's also the reason why you get all, yes, when people are. Y'all know this is true, right? Because we are addicted to approval. We, we, we need that. It's, 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 the, it's the same reason why... Um, women do this more than men, of course. So women will come out of, you know, their closet and look at their husband and go, these shoes, or these shoes, these shoes are these shoes, which shoes you want. Now, can I just tell you what's going on in your man's mind? I'm going to just help out all the ladies in here. We don't really care about the shoes. So I'll usually do this. The left ones, I'll be across the room. She's like, you didn't even see the shoes. I was like, I like the. I just like your feet. So just put the shoes. It don't matter what shoes on. If you see, if you see any men, do, have you ever seen a man come out and go, these shoes are these shoes, these shoes or these shoes? If you had, they need counseling. Um, no, Jenny. What do you think? Baby? Am I good. Most men, most men could be overweight, look in the mirror and be like, man, this looks so good. Look at this, man. they they overweight. They mismatched. they all discolored. They still think they look like the bomb. <laughs> right? This is the truth. But we can obsess about what people think about us. It's, it happens in so many ways where here's the addiction approval. Ready? Your sense of self is tied to what other people think about you. Let me say that again. Your sense of self is tied to what other people think about you. Your sense of self is tied to, I might feel good about me, but based off of what you say about me can change how I feel about me. I could walk up out of the house and be like, man, I feel good. I look good. And one person can just say something, and it ruins my mood. If that's the case, you're addicted to approval. I, I tell that I tell it to my wife all the time. She's like, oh, I don't know if I look good. I said, babe, you look good. You look good to me. Do you look good to you? You feel good? Yeah, I feel good. Well, then it doesn't matter what anybody says. Hey, and I tell them, you make the clothes. The clothes don't make you, you make the clothes. Come on, somebody. My wife is watching right now. I love you, baby. She's at home. We got a sick one. So, I, but it's the truth. If, if you could just feel that way about yourself, just feel that way, it doesn't matter what other people think about you. But, but if you are consumed, listen, by the way, if you're consumed with ev- what everybody else thinks about you, you'll live for the pleasure of everybody else and eventually you get to the end of your life and realize that you never lived. Because you were constantly living for the pleasure of everybody else. And then you get to the end of your life and you're like, I've been doing stuff to try to please all these other people for so long. Number two is you are overly emotional. You are overly emotional. Moses, his whole life, battled with his emotions. I think he battled with some of his unhealthy emotions because he had an infection of rejection. Moses had an infection of rejection. Think about this. When Moses was born, there was a genocide that was going on where all of the Hebrew boys were, it was, the command came down that every Hebrew boy was to be slaughtered, was to be killed. And, uh, and Moses' mother put Moses, if you know the story, put him in a basket, sailed him down the Nile. An Egyptian woman was bathing, found him, took him in, and then actually invited his mother to come be his nurse for a little while, but he was raised in an Egyptian home as a Hebrew. So think about the dysfunction he's got going on. He is a Hebrew, but he is being raised in a totally different environment, different culture than what he actually is. So imagine the times at the playgrounds where he wants to hang out with the Egyptian boys, but he's a Hebrew, he's not an Egyptian. So he's an outcast from those guys. And then think he tries to go and hang out with the Hebrew boys, and they are an outcast because he's the snotty kid that gets raised in the palace now, and so they don't wanna have anything to do with him. So his whole life he's been dealing with rejection from his own people and rejection from the people that he was raised with. And then he, he gets older and he sees his own people being treated as slaves and he sees an Egyptian abusing one of his own people. And in, in his overly emotional rage, he kills the Egyptian. And he doesn't step back from there and go, whoa, whoa, whoa. What's causing this? You know what he does? He hides the body. He hides it. Digs a pit, puts the body in it, and hides the body. You would think at that moment that was God's awakening call, like, hey, Moses, there's something going on here. See, what you don't realize is that your anger is a symptom of something that's actually deeper. When you get abused, then you get angry. When you feel like you're mistreated, then you get angry. When you, there's, there's something that's deeper that's causing this anger there. See, Moses' anger that was coming out was actually a symptom of something that was deeper. And oftentimes we we can not even realize, even in our own lives, that we can get overly emotional sometimes based off of what maybe somebody says about you. Like if somebody just says something in slight about you, do you blow up? Like you gotta defend yourself? You know why? Because what people think about you matters more to you. So you're overly emotional. Or if somebody says something about you, you're overly depressed? That shows you that what people think about you is too much in your life. You get overly emotional. But when Moses, eventually, um, we know Moses frees the people. God's challenge for him to free the people. He frees the plagues, frees the people. He goes up to Mount Sinai. God says, I'm going to give you the commands. He gives them the Ten Commandments. He writes the Ten Commandments on on, on tablets. Moses is coming down from an incredible encounter with God. The Ten Commandments, he's holding, you know, we've seen the movies. He's holding the Ten Commandments. And and his people are worshiping false idols. And what does he do in the moment? He throws the tablets down and goes into a fit of rage. Yet again, here comes that anger cropping right back up. Where's this coming from? There's another time where God told him just to hit the rock once and water was going to come out. And he didn't. And he slammed it twice. Bam, bam. There's this anger that's inside of him. Where is this coming from? I think it's an infection from a rejection. His whole life he felt like he had to prove himself. I think that's why he's ruling over a million people and he's the only one that can rule because he's got to prove to everybody, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. I'm going to be the one that does this. And we can get overly emotional in our lives. Let me give you the third one. The third one is you compromise your values. You compromise your values. That if you're Teenager, college-age girl, you really like this guy, you really want him to stick around, and he's smooth, smooth like butter. He knows all the great things to say, and he knows all the things to make you feel good about you. And he's, baby, I love you. And you're like, oh, I love you. And you all love you. And, but then he's like, hey, I love you if you would fill in the blank. And because you want his love so bad you're willing to compromise what you said you wouldn't give away because you don't wanna lose him. It happens all the time. We even do this. You know, we wanna be good stewards of our money and you know what, I'm gonna, I wanna live debt free and then yet we go and we buy things that we don't need with money that we don't have to impress people we don't really care about. Is this not true? That we buy bigger houses than we should and more cars than we should and we gotta get the tires and I gotta get this and I gotta get that and I gotta get this, all to impress people who really don't matter. But we live for the cycle of I need people to, to give me approval and praise and so we can compromise the things that we value. Let me give you number four, this one's gonna hit hard, I'm just letting you know you have a hard time saying no. You have a hard time saying no. Come on, honesty in here. Who has a hard time saying no? Raise your hand. Who has a hard time? Okay, all right. You can say no to everybody but your pastor. Um, No, just kidding. So when someone says, hey, can you fill the blank, fill the blank, and inside you're going, no, no, mm, don't ask me, no, never, no, mm, no, please don't put me on the spot. And they're like, sure, I would love to. And you hang up the phone and your wife looks at you. Who did you just say yes to? And what are you doing? Oh, babe, I gotta, I'm going to be gone for the weekend. I need to. Uh, what? You said you wouldn't. I know. I don't know. I was in the moment. I just felt like I needed to say yes. And we say yes to things that we really should be saying no to. And we don't speak up and say things that we are feeling because here's the deal. If I speak up and say what I'm feeling, then you might not like it and then you'll reject me. But I don't need you to reject me because I need you to love me. Is everybody with me in this place? And so we, 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 won't, we won't have hard conversations with people that we love the most because we fear that we'll lose them if we have the hard conversation. So I won't say what I really am feeling. So I would rather be inconvenienced in my own feelings to keep you because I need you. So I'm not gonna say what I really want to say that would actually help us have a better relationship, but I can't say it because if I do say it, then you may blow up and you may reject me, and I don't want to deal with that, so I would rather just suppress all the stuff that I'm feeling right now so that way you never leave me. And we, we this happens. This happens in our occupations, this happens in our marriages, it happens in our friendships, it happens happens with our kids. Well, I don't want to tell my kids that I want my kids to like me. Well, you're their parent, not their friend. Sometimes you need to tell them things that they don't like. And at the end of the day, I am their parent, which means I've got to sit down. I, I had a sit-down family meeting with my boys this week. I, we, sit, hey guys, we're gonna like, hey let's watch TV. We will in a minute. We need to talk right now. And we had a come to Jesus meeting. Of their attitude and their school and their friends and oh, oh, I had a list. Went through it all. Lindsay's upstairs, just showering, living her best life. I'm downstairs. <laughs> I'm downstairs having a, having a. We're coming to Jesus meeting, and um, and it was good. But I'm not my boys' friends. I'm I'm their dad. My job is to say things that they may not like me for a little while. I'm okay with that. If it means that their boss and their future wife will love me for the conversations I had with them now to make them the husband that they're gonna be down the road. Are y'all with me? But if you need to be liked, if you need to be loved, if you need to be approved, if you need to do that, you won't have any of those conversations. You'll just keep saying yes, 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 yes. And yet living in such bitterness, Towards all these other people that seems like they're living their best life, but you're having to go do stuff for everybody else, but you're doing stuff for everybody else because you can't say no. You can't say no. Can I just be transparent here? I have, this has been one of the greatest things I've had to really work through as your pastor. Because like, I want to be like super pastor, like, I wanna meet my people's needs. I wanna help. I wanna be there in crisis moment. I wanna, like, I want you to feel like you are so loved by me. I, I want that. The problem is sometimes I'll say yes to you. Guess who gets the no? My wife, my kids. I sat down with a pastor um, that is a part of our spiritual family, and he's got like three or 4,000 people in his church. And I sat down with him a couple, about, about a month ago, and I said, Man, I just need help with this. Our church is growing at an exponential rate right now. I'm just trying to grasp and learn how to to lead well. How do I lead my family well and lead my church well in both of those? And this is what he told me. Josh, you have to be okay with disappointing people. I said, I don't like that. He said, that's your problem. You have to be okay with disappointing people that means when people call that you have to be okay with no I I don't like that he says I know if you want to keep your church at the size that it is say yes to everything but you'll lose your marriage and your kids and eventually you'll lose your church so you have to learn to delegate you have to learn to give things away you have to learn to say no you have to learn to push things to other people. You have to, and I'm like, this is really hard. He said, it's the hardest thing you've ever fought, but if you want to lead, you're not gonna do what's popular, you're gonna do what's best. Yeah. So if you've ever called and I didn't answer the phone, don't take offense to that. We want to meet your needs. I'm gonna make sure your needs are met. It just might not be me. And, and that's a way that I love you by the way, and that's the way that you love me, is, is we work through this, so on Fridays, like, I, I, that's my days off, and I used to pick up the phone every Friday, people with emergencies, funerals, everything, I was always saying yes, and man, did I hear it from my wife, because we'd be at lunch, the phone would ring, and she'd look at me, and then I'd look at the phone, and then she'd look at me, and I'm like, if I pick this up, what am I going, what's going to be on the other end of this? And in my immaturity, I would pick it up often. Step away from the lunch meeting that I was having, lunch, lunchtime I was having with my wife or my kids, and I would go have this 30-minute counseling session with somebody to help, and then come back, and then I got to deal with the repercussions of what I just did. See, because I need you to listen to me closely on this. When you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. Every yes you say yes to, you're saying no to something else. Every person you say yes to is another person you're saying no to. You just need to make sure that the best people get the best yeses all the time. Are y'all with me? First off is us saying yes to God first and foremost. See, because Moses could never please everybody. Y'all know that, right? Moses always tried pleasing them, but they were never never pleased enough. The, The children of Israel always complained. They got out to the desert. They're like, you brought us out to the desert. We're going to die. We don't even have any water out here. And God's like, okay, Moses, listen, hit the rock, water will come out. And he hits the rock, water comes out. And he's like, there, you good? And they were like, thank you. Then they started complaining again. No, no, What? now we don't have anything to eat. I mean, we're going to die. I mean, and then, so then God has, you know, Chick-fil-A coming down from heaven for them. Dear God. And they're, they're, eating, they're eating manna, all this manna, you know, the little chicken biscuit. I don't, no chicken yet, just biscuit. And just manna, 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 manna. And then finally, they, they, they're eating enough manna. They're like, I'm so tired of this manna. I mean, can't we just have some meat? I would like some meat. I'm not a vegetarian. I just want meat. And so finally, God's like, all right, fine, Moses, give them some meat. So quail, all these quail, all these birds come in, and they, they eat all this meat. We just read this in the one year, actually, if you're reading with us. All this meat, they're eating all the meat, all the meat they could eat, unlimited buffet, Shoney's Buffet of meat and manna, meat and manna. And yet it's still not enough. And this is what Moses would tell you and I. You can't please everybody, but you can please God. Moses tried to please everybody. But he realized that every time he tried to please them, it still wasn't enough. Y'all know anybody like that? Every time you do something, it's still not enough. There's another thing you got to do, and another thing you got to do, and another thing you got to do. And then they got to throw it back in your face like, you never do anything for me. You're like, are you serious? I'm about to pull out the list. Listen to me close. If, if Jesus couldn't please everybody, why do you think you can? You can't. Which leads to this, becoming obsessed with what people think about you is the quickest way to forget what God thinks about you. Becoming obsessed with what people think about you is the quickest way to forget what God thinks about you. Proverbs twenty-nine twenty-five says this fear of man will prove to be a what? A snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. This snare is a Hebrew word called mokesh, M-O-K-E-S-H, mokesh. And it literally means... Like the, the ring that they put into an animal and they put a, a leash on it to guide the animal where they want to go. It And he's saying, Listen, the fear of man, the approval of man, the always the needing of people approving and affirming of you is literally like you being walked by whatever they want you to do. They're just leading and guiding you wherever they want you to go. And he says, No, 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 no. Fear of man's going to prove to be a snare, but if you will just trust the Lord. He's going to keep you safe. And some of us have been living for the approval of people for so long that's why you feel like you're just being drugged around everywhere they want you to be. This was the issue that stopped Moses from carrying out his assignment. Now think about this. listen to me closely. Moses did not walk into the promised land because he stole money from the church. Moses did not not walk into the promised land because he cheated on his wife. Moses did not walk into the promised land because he couldn't deal with an unaddressed emotional issue in his life. And God says, because you can't deal with that, you ain't bringing those people in there. I'm going to get somebody else to do it. This desire, this need, I call it the disease to please. This disease to please is eventually what dealt with him was, was it actually ended up being the issue for him not being able to get in the promised land. He couldn't control his anger. He couldn't control his need for people. And God said, nope, you're not going there. Somebody else is going to bring people there. I'm wondering how many things God wants to put and bring into our life, but he can't bring them into our life because we will abuse them because we need them too much. So how do you overcome the disease to please? Let me give you the first thing. God won't fix what you won't face. God won't fix what you won't face. Now, listen to me very closely. Did Moses have an intimate relationship with God? Yes or no? Yes, he had a very intimate relationship with God. Now, listen to this. This is a crazy story. Remember I tell you, read your Bible, it's better than TV? Here's one of those stories. So Moses had a brother and sister named Aaron and Miriam. Aaron and Miriam, we just read it actually in Numbers. Aaron and Miriam got really upset at Moses because he married a woman that was a different race. It was an interracial marriage. They didn't like that. And they thought they can complain all about the fact that he's got a woman that's of a different race. And they're complaining and bickering and complaining and complaining. And God calls a meeting. God says, hey, Moses, get Miriam and Aaron and you, and I I need y'all to meet with me. How many know when God calls a family meeting, it's about to go down? God calls a meeting with those three people. They sit in the meeting. And God tells them, watch this. God tells them this right here. Watch, this next verse. God says, when there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, reveal myself to them in visions. I speak to them in dreams. Hey, but listen, but not true of my servant Moses. He's on a whole nother level. My servant Moses, he is so faithful in my house, I speak to him face to face. face face. Here's the craziest part. When this is over and they walk out of this meeting with God, Miriam is struck with leprosy. Blam! And Moses is like, dang, whoa, God, I didn't mean that. I mean, whoa, She has to go outside of the city for seven days because now she is unclean. She has to come back into the city and God tells her, if you want to get clean of this, guess who you got to ask to pray for you? The person that she was complaining about, her brother. Moses has to pray over her to have her healed again and it's a whole other story. I'm just saying all that to say, Moses had the most intimate relationship with God face to face and yet he still struggled with his insecurities and his need for addiction to approval which tells me that you can have a relationship with God and still be addicted to things. If you will not allow God to walk into that area of your life, he can't fix what you won't face. Let me put it another way. You can't get delivered as long as you're in denial. And so you're like, I don't have a problem with that. You better watch it. You better watch it. Because some, some of us in here just need to come to the place, and I've had to come to that place myself, as I just admit, you know what? People's voices are way too loud in my life. I do care a little too much about what people think. Once you face it, God can fix it. Which leads to number two, and that is we've got to live from the approval of God instead of for the approval of people. Listen to me closely. We've got to live from the approval of God instead of for the approval of people. Galatians chapter one, verse 10. Watch this. Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people. This is Paul speaking. Whose approval is he trying to win? God's. If pleasing people were my goal, I'd not be Christ's servant. If pleasing people was my goal, I couldn't do what I'm doing. All right, listen close on this. You cannot pursue people's preferences and God's purposes at the same time. I'm gonna say that again. You cannot pursue people's preferences and God's purposes at the same time. Especially if their preferences are different than God's purposes. Now, if people are trying to steer you towards God's purposes, then yes, by all means. But how many know, if God loves you enough, he's gonna put people in your life that are not going to make you choose between them and God. Hey, listen, by the way, this is how you know you got true friends. If your true friends are pulling you away from God's purposes, they're not your true friends. They should be friends who are pushing you to God's purposes in your life, pushing you to stay in your marriage, pushing you to fight for the things, pushing you to go to these places. That is a true friend, by the way, and those are God divine relationships He puts in your life. But if you're living for the, the, the preferences of people, you, you're not, you're not going to be able to do this. And, Watch what 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 says it this way. For we speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. Our purpose is to please God, not people. Our purpose is to please God, not people. Everybody say that with me. Our purpose is to... Be God. Not... He alone examines the motives of our heart. Now I need you to hear me closely. If you are a follower of Christ, you are approved by Christ. You are already approved, you are approved, you are approved, you are approved because of what Christ has done for you. Your worth is not based off of what people say about you. Your worth is based off of whose you are and you are God's and God says you are approved by me. If you are approved by him, nobody else's voice matters. I don't care, listen to me. I'm sorry your dad didn't approve of you. I'm sorry your mom didn't give you the love you deserved. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but God loves you. He's for you. He has a purpose for your life. I don't care what anybody said about you. You are not your performance. By the way, listen, I'm glad you're here in church, but God does not approve of you now because you came to church. You didn't come to church to get something from God. You, get, you came to church because you want more of him. Yes. Are y'all with me today? Yes. And so listen, you're, you are not, you're appro- you're not based off of what you do. I have lived so long for the approval of people where I thought that if I performed well, then people would love me well. And then I got defeated when I didn't perform well because I felt like that, that, that people wouldn't love me well because I was a failure. And you're realizing today that God loves you the same when you're doing well, and he loves you the same when you're not doing well. That God's approval is on you no matter what, which draws you to him, not away from him. And so you are approved by God, not based off of what you do, and then you are approved by God, not based off of what people say. So you don't have to be popular. If you look in scripture, the most unpopular people were the most used by God. Can we look back at Elisha again? These men and women. Can we look at Matthew, the tax collector? You know what everybody said about him? I love it because Jesus the people God chose on his team was not the people that everybody else would have chose on their team. He went out to the fishermen, the people who flunked school. You got an F, you got an F, you got an F? Follow me. All right, we're good. Oh, you're swindling people and taking stuff from them? You're on my team too. See, it's almost like the more flawed you are, the more able now you are to be used by God. Because God loves to use people who understand that their value only comes from him. So I, I put this in your notes because I just want this to be reminders of who does God say that you are. He says you're a new creation in Christ. He says you're forgiven and your sins are washed away. He says that you are more than a conqueror through Christ. You are God's masterpiece. You are the light of the world. You are filled with the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead. You are a joint heir with Christ. You are a son of God. You are in Christ ambassador. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. And you are greatly loved by God. What else more do you need? What else more do you need? I'm just, I, and I'm telling you, this is such a, a place that's in my heart. Of let's not try to fight for something; let's fight from something. I'm not trying to earn God's approval; I already have it. That would be like when my sons, my sons mess up. I go up in their room and they're packing their bags. What you doing, man? My dad, I broke it, and I figured, man, I gotta, I gotta go find another family now. Now, we may be mad in the moment, but no matter what he did, he's still my son. Are y'all with me? Based off of what he did, based off of what he didn't do or did do, doesn't make him his, my son. He is my son because he's mine. And some of you today think that you're only God's son because of what you've done good or maybe you just haven't done bad enough stuff. I'm here to tell you there's not good enough things to make you God's son, and there's not bad enough things to make you not his son. You are his son because you are his. And the only approval that you need are the ones that are nail-scarred because he's the only one that gave it all for you. Father, we love you. And today, God, in this moment, we invite you yet again to come speak to us. God, we thank you that your word is speaking to these areas of our heart where we maybe have allowed other voices to be louder than yours. Today, we, we want to say, God, Lord, we thank you for your approval. God, we, we, we turn down the voice of this world. We turn down the voice of others. And God, we, we turn your voice up today. And we thank you, God, that today, that no matter if we have failed no matter if we have succeeded. We we are sons and daughters of God because of what you have done for us. That we don't work for approval, we work from it. God, today, Lord, we thank you. Lord, we repent of putting other voices ahead of yours, louder than yours, making other people's thoughts of us more important than what you say about us. God, we commit, we commit, we commit as a people, God, to believe what you say and to live out what you speak over our lives. If you're here in this place while all heads are bowed, and the greatest question that I can ever ask you is are you born again? Because ultimately, at the end of the day, what, 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 what keeps us in a relationship with God is the fact that, that God came for you, he lived for you, he died for you, he, he wants a relationship with you, and our sin has broken that, our rebellion, our pursuit of other things has brought a division in that. And if you are here today and you go, I want a real relationship with God, not rituals. It's nothing that a pastor or a priest or a program or a church can ever do. I'm not telling you to join a church. I'm telling you to join a relationship with God. If you want that, all you got to do is just believe in your heart, confess that he is Lord and Savior of your life, and You will be saved. If that's you in this place, say, I want a relationship with God like that. If that's you on the count of three, I want you to shoot your hand up. One, two, three. If that's you going up all across this room. Thank you. Thank you. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Praise God. Praise God. And you can put your hands down right there where you are. We're going to all pray this together with you. It's just a, a prayer from our heart. We say, dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God. And you came to bring me back into a relationship with your Father. You, were, you lived a perfect life. You were my substitute. On the cross, you paid for my sin, my shame, and my guilt. Today, I confess you as Lord of my life. Be my savior, be my Lord. Thank you for giving me a place in heaven a purpose on earth, and a relationship with the Father. Take my life, have all of me, in Jesus' name, amen.